Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Good morning. This is really special. I haven't preached to people in the room for a long time. Could be dangerous. So for those, whether online or on campus or on demand, really, really great. Uh, it was wonderful this week. Um, our Princeton campus did kind of uh, their first kind of gathering, not as a, just to get to know people. And uh, was they had a, rented the pool there and had people come out. And so slowly starting to emerge in the middle of a pandemic. Not usually the recommended way to plant a new church or a campus in the middle of a pandemic, but they're doing it. Uh, Jen and Praxis and Joel and Lana are doing a great job up there, and so we're so proud of them. If you're in Princeton, uh, give them a shout out uh, on the stream or whatever you want to do. What a... What a great time. If you want to turn in your Bible, you can get there. We're not, I'm not going to go there right away. But Psalm chapter 61 will be there in a moment. Um, how many of you uh, have ever had a lemon of a car? Just, if you're in the room, let, raise your hand. If you're on, uh, how many of you still have a lemon of a car? Yes. Uh, my first car, uh, uh, someone said, oh, I'd love to sell you this car for $50. That's usually a key that it's not that great of a car. And I know, I will give you that it was like 1990, so uh, $50, but $50 was still like $50. And it lasted about three weeks. It was a little 1972 or three Honda Civic, and uh, it's rest in peace, did not last. But a lemon of a car, I had a friend, uh, he had not a lemon of a car, but actually an incredibly great car. It was a TR6. If you know what a TR6, it was a convertible, and he loved this car. He kept it shiny. He kept all the things working with it. And uh, what he was not, though, was a real maintenance person. You can have a great car and not really know about cars. How many of you are like that? You drive your car, you have no clue what makes it work. You get in, if something happens, you just like pull over and call somebody. Put your hand up. It's no shame. No shame. Some of you uh, need to do that rather than trying to fix it. You will make it worse. But he was driving his car one day down the island highway, and a little red light came on. And he kept driving. In fact, he was bothered by the little red light, so he put some tape over the red light. And he kept driving, and he kept driving, until suddenly his, he heard a loud bang, and his car came to a screeching stop. And he was really irritated that his beautiful TR6 shiny car convertible had every reason why it should be working, was not working. He was very irritated. And then he called the mechanic and the mechanic said, well, what happened? Well, da-da-da, the red light. The mechanic's like, hold on a second. What was that? There was a red light. Did you stop? No, I just like covered it. And it was bothering me. But if you don't know anything about cars, that seems perfectly logical. But when you understand that the red light is saying, there's no more oil in the car. You need to stop now. And you need to stop now because if you don't, the car will stop of its own accord. No matter how shiny the car looked on the outside, it couldn't go on. No matter how well built the car was coming out of the factory, it couldn't go on. No matter how incredibly beautiful, uh, convertible it was, the car couldn't go on. 
It was simply overwhelmed by the heat that was happening in the engine because there was no oil in the engine. There wasn't oil to handle the heat of the journey, and it destroyed the inside of the engine. Looked great on the outside, but inside was coming to a grinding halt and was not even aware of what was happening. And to use the car analogy, the last five months have been heavy driving. Anybody else? It's been heavy driving in life. Some unexpected things have happened. Is there anybody else in the room or online? Put a hand up or something that let me know you're here. Remember now, for those of you that are in the room, I see you now. The days, so you need to help me. You need to respond a little bit. I see you. So wave at me. That was a test. Okay, wave at me. There you are. Okay. Otherwise, we're, we're breaking back here now. Here we are. And like the car, we all have areas of our lives that the red light is coming on. The red light is coming on potentially. And like the car, we're in overwhelm. And I think that some of us are not even aware of it. But we're in overwhelm. And there's simply so much happening over the last number of months. We start with a pandemic. We, we go with the whole economy is shutting down. People are losing jobs. Businesses are shutting. We have this small thing, no, an incredibly large thing of racial tensions that's going on in the world. We have all kinds of things, trade wars going on. Uh, massive amounts of businesses that were, we thought would never shut are shutting. David's Tea, if you're a David's Tea person, had like 200 stores and is going down to 18 in Canada. Like, that's a lot. And you see that repeated again and again and again. Overwhelmed. There's so much happening financially, relationally. And they tell us, those that are studying this and monitoring it, that because of the isolation that people have been in, there's higher levels of anxiety. There's higher levels of fighting going on. There's higher levels of domestic abuse. There's higher levels of, of pain and, and frustration going on, all behind closed doors. And behind closed doors, yet despite all that, it might look good on the outside like that car. You might smile. Everybody around you might think you're doing well, but when you're in the quietness of your own heart, you realize that there are moments and times that the red light is on. The red light is on. Overwhelm means to cover, to bury beneath a mass of something. It's one thing to handle one or two things, but all of us have been affected in some way or the other by the last number of months, and I think it's showing up in our lives. To be overcome, to be covered by like floodwaters, to be covered by an avalanche, to be covered by debris, and it just comes. Some of it's little by little, and some of it's been all at once. I've had one of my cousins, her son, in the middle of all this, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, committed suicide. The reality that people are in pain. People are in difficulty. People are in all kinds of spaces that are not good. And sometimes we think we're not because we're not shriveling in a corner crying or in a room that's got padded walls. We think we're doing okay. But I want to submit to you that perhaps your red light is on right now and you're not fully aware of it. Perhaps your red light is on and you've been covering it up. Perhaps your red light is on and you've been trying to avoid dealing with it. 
It shows up in the apathy with God's purpose in our life. I know that when we first began uh, going online, there was uh, everybody was online, and slowly that's been going going down. Now there's a lot of people watching it at different times, but our participation in the things of God, our participation in the call of God in our life, where is it at? Is it hot or is it kind of zooming down? It's showing up in our anxiety. It's showing up in the blods that we feel that we can't shake. It's showing up in your discouragement. Your red light is showing up in your irritation with people. How many of you feel like sometimes if somebody does that one more time, you know that thing? For all of us have a different one and you have your last nerve and somebody's standing on it. Some, it's showing up in our cynicism about life. It's showing up in our cynicism about politics. It's showing up in our cynicism about other people. Our red light is showing up as we bury ourselves in work and try to hide from it. Showing up in our binge watching. It's showing up in our eating of our feelings. Eating of our feelings. Showing up in our insomnia. It's showing up in our sleep interruption. It's showing up... Am I preaching to anybody today? Am I preaching to you online? Am I preaching to you in Princeton, wherever you are? As Christ followers, we believe that God is a God of purpose and he's a God of intention. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 26, it says that he knows the time and the place where you will live. In other words, he's, he, he has you in the spot that you're in right now. You might be trying to escape it. You might be trying to run from it. But he has you in the spot that he's designed you for right now. Not only that, he's created you for purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ uh, God, in Jesus to do good works, which God's prepared in advance for us. And he's also created you with beauty in Psalm 139. You are created with <clears throat> fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus is intentional about your place in the world. He's intentional about your purpose. He's intentional about how he created you. And everything the enemy and the systems of the world and what we've been going on has been pressing on you to stop you from living, to stop you from living the purpose of God, to stop you from being engaged in the world where you are, and to just flash the red light until you come to a screeching halt and everything that God intended for you is on the sidelines. But can I submit to you that we cannot allow our weariness to overcome our willingness. It's time to turn the tables. It's time to believe again. It's time to say, God, I need you. It's time to pray again. It's time to stand again. It's time to recenter ourselves again. It's time. It's a time to be the church that Jesus is building because Jesus said this about his church, that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What's going on in the world has not got God on the defensive. He's not backing up. He's pushing into darkness. In moments like this, the Psalms are incredibly helpful as they deal with the range of emotions. Psalm 61 and 1 to 4 says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, somebody say overwhelmed. Even if you're in your room, say overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for our you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in your tabernacle forever. I will trust in the shelter of your wings. We don't know exactly why David was overwhelmed. We don't know what he was facing. 
Some scholars feel that he didn't list it because then we would pull ourselves over and say, well, I'm not feeling that. He just said, I'm overwhelmed. And whatever the reason, he was in extreme mental and emotional pain. And can I say this? It's sometimes in the church world, we live in an unreal world that if you're a follower of Jesus, you will never experience moments of overwhelm. You will never experience moments where you're mentally and emotionally just pull out. David was a man after God's own heart. David was uh, one who was anointed of God, yet he experienced this. David was a worship leader. David was a songwriter, yet he experienced overwhelm. David loved God deeply, yet he experienced overwhelm. My heart is overwhelmed, he said. It can happen to anyone in any space, in any place, in any location, no matter how, how spiritual you think you are, no matter how you think you've got it all together, no matter where your background has come, we are all vulnerable to the red light of overwhelm. And David uses a phrase to indicate how he felt. He said, from the end of the earth, I will call out to you. He wasn't talking about Princeton. Princeton people don't, it's all right. He, he was using an, an analogy, a metaphor to say, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I feel like despair. I feel alienated from what God called me to do. I feel far from God. I feel far from my purpose. I feel at the end of the earth. I feel like I don't know what my calling was and I'm at the limits of my wisdom. I'm at the limits of my endurance. I'm at the limits of my ability to hang in there. And in overwhelm, we have to acknowledge that we all approach it differently. Some of us ignore it. We just keep on going. We keep it rise and grind. I'm just going to keep at it. I'm going to keep going. Some of us will tend to be ones who try to escape it. We'll go on a binge of watching something or we'll dive into food or we'll, we'll just walk out on people. We'll walk out on jobs. We'll walk out on relationships. We'll walk out on what God's called us to. We'll walk out on the goodness of God. Or some of us will choose to face it. And that's what I'm calling us to today. And David did not say from the ends of the earth, I give up. He did not say from the ends of the earth, God doesn't love me. He said from the ends of the earth, I cry out to you. I cry out to you. And his call echoes throughout history. And his call is a flash of hope in a world of darkness. And David says this, I cry out to you. First he said, lead me. Lead me. I don't know if you ever use Google Maps or Apple Maps or things like that. Uh, we, uh, when, whenever I'm in places that I don't know or I'm unfamiliar with, I will use Google Maps or Apple Maps, whatever it is. And I, when I get offline or I get in a, out, out of where I should be, you will hear this uh, word say, repositioning or recalculating, recalculating. And it just kind of spins, recalculating. And you're like, what is going on? I just want to get to where I'm going. But you don't understand that Google knows. Google is saying up ahead, there's a accident that you need to go around. So take this route. That's not the route I want to go. I No, if you want to get there and not be stopped, you need to turn around. You need to go. You need to take a different way. And that's sometimes what is happening in these moments is that God is trying to get our attention to reposition us. We get frustrated at it. We're like, I want to get where I want to go. I don't like what's going on. 
But many of us have had so much shaking going on that we're wandering. We're wandering in our walk with the Lord. We're wandering away from our purpose. We're wandering away from gathering, even with uh, friends and family. And the Holy Spirit inside of you is calling you to reposition. Reposition yourself in this season to set you up. The same as Google knows the way to go to stop you from a detour or to put you on what seems like a pointless detour. God is not in a pointless detour. He's in the middle of it, repositioning you to get you where you need to go. And he knows what he's doing if you will allow him and say with David, lead me. Lead me, Lord. I want to challenge you, though, that just like me with my map, I first must acknowledge that I'm out of position. I first must acknowledge that I don't know the way. I first must acknowledge that I've gotten off track, perhaps. I have to acknowledge my apathy. I have to acknowledge my stalling. I have to acknowledge my weariness. I have to acknowledge my overwhelm. I have to acknowledge my anxiety. I have to acknowledge my cynicism. Wherever the red light is going on, the first step is to acknowledge it and say, God, lead me out of it. Lead me out of it. I don't know the way out. We don't know the future. How many of you a year ago knew that we would be meeting like this? If you did, I don't want to hear about it. You should have told me. (laughs) Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. We don't know the way. We don't know how. We don't know when. But we know that he will lead you in the way that you should go. Not the way that you think you should go. Not at the speed you think you should go. Not at the location you think you should go. But when we say, lead me, Lord, we're saying, I don't know. Jesus, take the wheel to use that terrible country song. Jesus, lead my life. Jesus, take me on the pathway that you have and lead me into the life that you have for me lead me where to the rock because the one who got you here will get you there the one who got you here will get you there lead me to the rock and in the old testament the children of israel god rescued them out of slavery and took them through all kinds of miraculous things and then they were in a desert in the wilderness wandering and they came and they had no water and at the beginning of that god commanded moses to strike the rock so that water would come out of the rock miraculously. And in the New Testament, Paul speaks to this in 1 Corinthians, and he said, they did all drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed him, and that rock was Christ. When he says, lead me to the rock, he's saying, lead me back to you. Lead me back to who you are. Lead me back to yourself. Lead me back to your presence. Lead me back to who you are, oh God. In the same way, Christ is the source for us. He is the rock that is the source of our strength. He is the source of our hope. He is the source of our life, our joy, and our courage. Flows from him. He said, spring up, O well. Within my soul. What is that springing up? It's the very presence of God. It's the presence of God within us. Your relationship with God will set the tone for every other relationship in your life. Go to God first, not last. He's the foundation. When everything else is shaking, he stands firm. He is our source. He's the foundation. This is not about a book that you read, just the Bible. The book is only intended to reveal Jesus to you so that you can walk with him, that you can build your life on him, that when you're in dark valleys, when you're in difficult things, that you stand strong on the rock that is Jesus. But this is not a thing for somebody else. It's a thing for every one of us personally. See, 
First, Second Peter says this, that God has given us everything. Somebody say everything. 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 Not most. Everything that we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him. Know him. Not know about him. Not read about him. Know him. Experiencing him. We need to personally and regularly experience him. And too often we come to church or to a church in person, that hasn't been for some time, or we watch an online service and we let somebody else worship for us. Or we go to church and we, we let somebody read the Bible for us, but we don't read it for ourselves the other six days of the week. And we're like, where is it all? My red light's on. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I experience that. I need to be personally going in. We need to come personally. That's the source of many Christians' overwhelm is because we don't go personally to the rock. In Psalm 18, it says this, The Lord is my rock and my fortress. It's on the screen there. It doesn't say the Lord is the rock. It doesn't say that he's the fortress. Look how David personalized that. He is my rock. He is my fortress. He is my deliverer. He is my God. He is my strength in whom I trust. He is my buckler. He is the horn of my salvation. And he is my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. We need to personalize it. It is he that does it. He is the rock that's strong when all around is sinking. He is the rock that doesn't get moved when the wind and the waves of culture say, you're in a, you're in a church that means nothing, is irrelevant, and we don't need you anymore. He is the rock that stands in the middle of your financial thing. He is the rock that you can stand on when your marriage is shaking. He is the rock that doesn't get moved when the flood of evil that seems to be unleashed in the world, that God is not moving. He's not moving. He's not moving in the sense of he's being shattered by. He is one that we can build on. He is the one that we can stand strong on. If your red light's flashing, lead me to the rock. The one who got you here will get you there. And lead me to the rock that is higher than I. David's the king. He's the most powerful person in the land. If he said, go do it, people had to do it. If he said, don't do it, they wouldn't do it. If he said, get me this, they got him that. He had all the power in the land. But even he recognizes that he is not enough. He recognized that his position is not enough, that wealth is not enough, that having the right answer is not enough, that having his own strength is not enough. Lead me to the rock that is higher. My wisdom is not enough. I don't know the way well enough. I don't have the endurance enough. But Jesus said this, my grace is all you need. Grace simply means my power for you to live. Grace saves you, but grace also enables you to live. Spurgeon said, if the grace that saved you doesn't allow you to change you, then it probably was not the grace of God. If the grace that saved you is not changing you, I would go back and say, did I really surrender my life to you? Because Jesus said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness in weakness, when you don't have it figured out, when you don't know the way. When I come to Christ that way, I find power in a greater way. That's the flip over. We think we've got to have it figured out. We think we've got to have it all worked out. But Jesus actually says, my grace is all you need. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. 
We don't live that way. What do we boast about? I've got it together. I've, I've, I've been promoted here. I'm doing well over here. How are you doing? Great. What would it look like if we said, you know what, I'm not doing so well, but I'm thankful for God in this world right now. You know, there's been a lot of financial shaking, but I'm so thankful for Jesus that he's my strength, that in my weakness, his strength is actually showing up in a powerful way. I don't even deserve it. I don't know how he's doing it, but God is coming through. The red light is flashing, but I'm going to him. I'm Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I need the rock that's higher than my strength. I need the rock that's higher than my wisdom. I need the rock that's higher than my cynicism. I need the rock that's higher than the hate around me. I need the rock that's higher than my security, than my anxiety. For you have been a shelter to me, a strong tower from the enemy. I don't have to live in overwhelm. I can overcome my overwhelm. I don't have to stay at the ends of the earth, distant and frustrated and far off and feeling alienated and feeling overwhelmed at what my family life is going like, how my grandchildren have walked away from God. I don't have to live in overwhelm that. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I'm calling us back in a more significant way, more intentionality. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The one who got you here will get you there. Jesus. Jesus said this in the message translation. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. He didn't say work harder. He said, come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. And learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything ill, heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to Look, it says learn to. It doesn't just happen naturally. Learn to live freely and lightly. Not with a red light. Whoop, 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 whoop. Because when that's happening, you're overwhelmed and you're not engaged in the purpose of God for your life, the peace of God that he intends, the power of God that he intends to flow in you and through you. But it starts with come to me. And I know pretty, pretty much everybody in the room, I believe is a follower of Jesus Christ, but I know also that there are many watching that are not followers of Jesus Christ and say, yes, I'm tired. Yes, I'm worn out. Yes, I, 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 have, I feel like I've lost my way. I don't know. I feel like everything is heavy on me right now, and I feel the overwhelm. And it starts with return to Jesus. It starts with come to Jesus. And that doesn't just mean a simple little prayer. It means this. It says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I surrender my life to you. I give my life to you. Forgive my sin and come and lead me. Come and lead my life. And if you've never made Jesus the forgiver and leader of your life, today can be your day that will, one moment that will change the momentum of your life. It's, a, it's the beginning to change the direction of your life. And it starts with just that. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And when you pray that and believe it in your heart, that Jesus is God and God raised him from the dead, you can be saved. And so right now, maybe you want to be really bold and say, that's me on the, on the feed and say, that's me, Pastor, I, I'm there. And secondly, I want to pray with people that are know that as I've talked today that, yeah, I'm, I'm not uh, locked up in a room. I'm not uh, in a room with pad, pads on the wall or anything like that. But I know that there's areas of my life that I'm operating in overwhelm. And I want to be part of a church. I want to lead a church that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay 
to not be okay. And so I want to be bold. Maybe put it on the, on the chat if you're watching online or on demand. That's me. I, I see signs of overwhelm in my life. Or if you're in the room with me right now, you know, I see signs of overwhelm in my life that I, I need to lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Just put your hand up right now. Be bold right here now in the room if that's you or you're online or anywhere else on demand that I see signs. And I want to pray with you wherever. If you're uh, in Princeton or you're in England or you're in the room right now and you say, Jesus, I need you. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. I invite you in the room to stand to your feet. We're going to close in prayer. And if, and if you're like, I'm great, Pastor, well, then you're going to be praying with me for the people around you or the people online or wherever they're at. Just bow your head and close your eyes. And even if you're on your living room sofa right now, I'm just going to ask you to to just close your eyes if you're able to and if the kids aren't craw crawling on you or whatever it is, and, and we're going to pray. If you say, Pastor, I, I, I need to know Jesus. We already talked about that. Surrender your life to Jesus. Let today be the day that you say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Come and take the load off my life, the load of sin, the load of weariness, the load of brokenness, and make me a brand new creature. The Bible says that when you do that, you pass from death to life. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And with every head bowed in room and every eye closed, if, if you recognize that there's places of overwhelm in your life, doesn't mean that everything's out of broken up, but you just know there's places of overwhelm. I want, just put your hand up wherever you are. Put your hand on the screen. I want to pray with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord Jesus, right now, I thank you that we echo the prayer of David. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lord, we release the thing that is overwhelmed. We release the financial worry. We release the, the re worry about those in our family relationally. We release whatever is burdening us right now. We release it to you. The thing that's overwhelming, where our red light is on, let it, we release it to you. Come and let the refreshing oil of the Holy Spirit flow into every area and every space, into our thinking, into our physical bodies, into our sleeping life, into every space. We invite the Holy Spirit right now. And Lord, those of us that are in denial right now, that are ignoring the red light and pretending it's not there, Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see it, the way that it's destroying our effectiveness, it's destroying our peace, it's destroying our life force. Lord, I pray that eyes would be opened even right now in Jesus' name. And Lord, for all of us, we pray that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that the power that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. If you're a follower of Jesus, just say, Jesus, I welcome you. Lead me afresh. Lead me to you. Bring me out of confusion. Bring me out of areas of denial and lead me to you. I need you, Jesus. I welcome you. In the strong name of Jesus, amen and amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.